0: It is April 8th, 1963. We are at the 35th Annual Academy Awards, honoring the best films of 1962. We're back in Santa Monica, at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. And our MC tonight has been Mr. Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. Possibly the father of Ronan Barrow. And the winner of the big award tonight, the envelope, please... And the winner is... Brrr, Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We've got... Lawrence of Arabia. We've got David Lean back again. Again. That is... I mean, David Lean... Um, you know, it's funny. His last name suggests that he might be Stealth and... Right. um And just the meat. But no... No, no. David Lean is actually, really more appropriately would be called, David um, Bloated. Um, <laughs> that's so true. I feel like, okay, I honestly feel like the Academy only takes him seriously if his movies are over two and a half hours long. Is that that's wrong? What, he learned. That's that's, what he learned? He was that's making what he learned. shorter movies in the 40s and um, early 50s. And and those movies would occasionally get, like, a Best Actress nomination, but he wasn't getting the big awards. And even though Summertime is just as solid as his later work, Brief Encounter, great movie, even so, he had to double the running time in order for him... To be taken seriously. He just had to. And he also, apparently, he has to only talk about war. <laughs> he wins an Oscar for World War II and an Oscar for World War I. What do you know? <laughs> we only, you know, the funny thing is, I, there's only three more David Lean movies after Lawrence of Arabia. Isn't that wild? You know, three more. That's true, and I had read that a reason because of that was because um, Ryan's daughter received some pretty scathing reviews, Mm -hmm. and it kind of, I think, messed with his confidence, and that's why it took him, what, 12 years after that to finally make A Passage to India? Yeah, it took Um, a Um, But even between... Um I mean like after Lawrence of Arabia it's 3 years and then we get Doctor Zhivago and then it's like 5 years and you get Ryan's daughter. Yeah. He um I I think but to be fair he was making between those 3 movies he actually made like 7 <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Yes, that's accurate. I mean can you right. imagine can you imagine well, I also just think like his stories just got bigger. you know what I mean? imagine summertime, but three hours long no, it wouldn't it would not have worked know he turned into I, I'm making fun of the running times, but he turned into a different type of filmmaker who makes a different type of movie definitely uh, his trajectory made him into basically um even though it only constitutes like five of the movies he made, um he became somebody known for epics. Yes. Very, very true. Yeah. And this would be, I, uh, yeah, this is definitely, well, this is AFI's number one, um, okay. epic film. Oh yes, yeah. Right they're, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're 10 top 10. This is number one in epic films and I can absolutely see why the scope of this movie is enormous, enormous. Oh, sure. Um, and we will, we will get into, we will get into everything Lawrence of Arabia. Um, But uh, we do have some other categories and some other really interesting categories to get to this year. Um, Do we want to go ahead and start, let's say, with Best Supporting Actor? Let's do that. Supporting Actor. This one's kind of, um, I guess... The least controversial, maybe. <laughs> we've yes. got Ed Begley That's here. That's why I started with it. <laughs> Absolutely, Ed Begley is here for "Sweet Bird of Youth." He is the winner. Uh, we've no, got Victor used with his son, Ed Begley Jr., who not. I would say confused. most audiences are probably familiar with his son because his son, I think, has been on every television show for the last. 40 or 50 years. <laughs> has to be, yes. And of course, his most famous role probably comes from she Devil with Meryl Streep, but I digress. Uh, where he plays Meryl Streep's, well, <laughs> well, later, <laughs> for, you, you have to watch the movie. Roseanne's, it's Roseanne's husband, and it's her husband. You know, he also, I mean, like, I think my first introduction to Ed Begley Jr., sorry, we're talking about his son, not his father, um, was when uh, he was on... He had a guest spot, a recurring role on Seventh Heaven. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, <the> good. <laughs> He's in Batman Forever. I forgot about that. Oh, my god! Oh, so, yeah, Ed Begley Jr., very, very popular modern actor. This is his dad, though. He's got an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never seen the movie Sweet Bird of Youth, but I know the play very, very well. And it's a very um, dramatic piece of work. Um so yeah. I, yeah I'm I'm assuming he's da- he well, does fine. He both. plays the dad of the the tragic girl um to Paul Newman, you know what I mean? So I think yeah, he's I'm sure he's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um uh let's look at a few of these uh nominees here. Mm-hmm. Um I the, the the movie I know the least amount about here is Billy Budd. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, Billy Budd, Terrence Stamp is nominated there, and also Telly Savalas in Birdman of Alcatraz. I don't really know those two performers very well, or those two movies. No, but I do know the other two. Yes, um, be two. Th- I feel like these are where it comes down to anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, like, if we decided that, if we were going to choose who we are going to win, uh, admitting that we've not seen Ed Begley and Sweet Bird of Youth, um, we got uh, Victor Bruno. Uh, Victor, Bo- I always, I don't actually you know. know. You know, thank you. Yes. Um, which, by the way, before I saw him and whatever happened, maybe Jane, the first thing I knew him from was he was uh, the Batman villain King Tut on the 60s Batman television series. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Which I watched um, obsessively and I... Started every episode hoping it would be one with Batgirl, which I think says a lot about my future. Yeah, that um, ends up. But, uh, <laughs> um, but he um, he's he has a really fun role in whatever happened to Baby Jane. Uh, if you haven't seen, I don't know why anyone. It's so unlikely that anyone listening to this podcast hasn't seen whatever happened to Baby Jane because yep. once they've signed on to this podcast they've already acknowledged they're getting into the gayest thing possible so it's hard to believe someone with gay pop culture knowledge which is the audience for this for this podcast would not have seen baby jane but basically it's two aging uh former actress sisters one of whom was a child star one of whom was a movie star who was crippled supposedly by her sister um And her sister takes care of her, but she has never accepted the fact that she's grown older and still pretends that she's young baby Jane Mm -hmm. as opposed to the older Jane. Uh, We'll get into that performance very soon. I have many things to say. But um, she tries to revive her career during the movie, and she uh, gets this guy, uh, Edwin Flagg, his name of the character, and he's uh, basically a grifter um who's trying to take advantage of her and knows nothing about her and he's just trying to find a way to make money for him and his uh mother, but they're kind of shifty characters. Um and it's a fun little side story and he's he's very good in this. And he was so good in this in fact that um when they made the quasi the follow-up, I wouldn't say sequel, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, they gave him a plum role to start that movie too um so anyway uh, he's very very good i don't know if it's like an oscar situation but he's great yeah very much agreed he really creates this fun character out of this essentially he's the uh, the accompanist uh, he plays the piano for mm-hmm. betty davis when she's as you said reviving her career and this is kind of a throwaway part but he just makes it so fun mm-hmm. um he really provides a lot of humor i think to this otherwise kind of nasty little film but he really uh does a great job at providing don't say nasty like it's bad (laughs) but it is kind of it's kind of like a bad little film i mean it's good but it's still kind of nasty (laughs) it's more like it's it's more like um you know janet if you're nasty it's a much different (laughs) no that's very true i mean i see i say the word nasty with the best connotation ever <laughs> it's, it's just that though it's very that um then we have um making his uh is this is his american film debut i maybe yeah. am making that up i'm uh, not sure honestly i don't know uh you know i'm gonna say it confidently now uh egyptian actor omar sharif um is making his american film debut his English language debut um, in the movie Lawrence of Arabia, where uh, while he did not win this Oscar, he was um, nominated. He won best supporting actor at the Globes. And he also won new star of the year at the Globes as well. Um, And from this point on, uh, basically Omar Sharif would spend uh, a lot of his time uh, in America and I, and Europe making English language films mm-hmm. um, and would be the star of David Lean's next movie. Um, and uh, Omar Sharif, um, I mean, once again, let's first of all, just give kudos to David Lean for uh, casting people ethnically appropriately. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, well for uh, the most part. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> there uh, are some questionable casting choices as well. Well, at least Omar Sharif um yes. actually being from, know, the East. East. Yes. from the Middle East. Yes. the Middle East. Um uh and Omar Sharif is um is I mean he's he's wonderful. He's one he's I uh, I guess the most important supporting part of the film. Yeah. You know. And um and I, 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 again, I don't know if it's a win, but I think he's a, he's really good in the movie. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing after watching the film for the first time. I watched it for the first time this last week. Uh, he's great. He is definitely the leading supporting um, character to Peter O'Toole. He's kind of the, the man that bridges the gap between uh, Lawrence and the Arabian tribes who are revolting against the Turks. He's kind of that bridge between them to help the war continue. And he's really, really good. I think for most of the film, he just plays the sidekick character, occasionally having some funny one-liners. But it's at the end, when things fall apart uh, at the Arabian Council with Lawrence, that he decides to leave because it seems pointless now. And that's where he kind of has, I think, his most uh, cinematic moment, probably his best acting moment in the film when he finally... Um, addresses his love for Lawrence I don't know if it's like a sexual love or if it's just like a love because of what he stands for uh, but it's really heartbreaking to see him um, walk away from Lawrence knowing that he's turned into somebody that he can't follow anymore so it's a great performance but again I, I I don't necessarily think it deserves the Oscar, I don't know I think I should really see Sweet Bird of Youth because something tells me that Ed Begley just goes off in that film So oh yeah he just, you know what, he what I mean? Goes off. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make an unusual and, and Omar Sharif ends up having uh, a perfectly wonderful career. Oh, yeah. um, I will say I also I know his uh, grandson and he's a very nice young man, um, yeah. whose family. So he sure, uh, is, yeah. and apparently Omar Sharif was uh, very accepting of that. So uh, well, we love that, and I mean, um, yeah, he's he's definitely a beautiful. He's pretty to look at for three hours. My goodness, is he attractive. I – well, guess what? You're going to get three more hours to look at him in a couple years. So <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> um, so I guess all in all, um, I would agree. Ed Begley, I'm sure he deserves this Oscar. I think the closest competition was Omar Sharif. Um, but all in all, I'm, I'm okay with the way this worked out. Me too. I'm going to make an unusual suggestion. Okay. I think that the female categories are intrinsically connected. Sure. Yep. And so I'm gonna suggest that we go to best actor first. Sure. Just in the logical snake of it all. Sure. This is a great little you're right, through line for leading over to best actor. Uh because which this yeah. does lead very logically into talking about Peter O'Toole, first of all. So yes, go ahead. It does. Well let's let's go right into it. Peter O'Toole nominated for Lawrence of Arabia. Um and this is his his American film debut too, isn't it? um i am i wrong i'm gonna gonna check that while you fact check me but i think it's one of his first movies here um but he's absolutely wonderful as t lawrence he's great i think what's really fascinating about lawrence of arabia is the central question that i think david lean is posing here which is similar to the the central theme and question of bridge on the river Kwai, which is you know, this who am I question that T.E. Lawrence fights the entire movie, especially when his loyalties start to shift between that of Great Britain and that of the Arabian people and their fight against the Turks, um, feeling like he's being used by the British people just to um, allow British colonialization to happen over that. You know, it's all these questions that he's fighting. And I think that's a really uh, that's a really tough to act you know what i mean but i think peter o'toole does it really 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 quite well the only problem is (laughs) there's another person nominated in this category his name is gregory peck and it's for to kill a mockingbird which is probably one of the greatest performances of all time uh and yeah in my humble opinion really doesn't really compare to peter o'toole uh gregory peck and to kill a mockingbird there's no one else who's going to win this oscar there can be no one else what do you say to that I'm going to agree I'm going to agree with you. Um I'm going to say real quickly Peter O'Toole this is actually he made uh one American film before this um which was a live action Disney film called Kidnapped. LOL. <laughs> uh, but then he appeared in two British films. This is actually Peter O'Toole's fourth movie overall. There's actually some controversy over um Lawrence of Arabia's inclusion in the American Film Institute list oh. because um there's there's a lot of debate over whether or not this is a British or an American film, but it did have funding from Columbia Pictures in America, so it is considered a co-production between um, between the two. But um, it is a point of contention in case mm-hmm. you're wondering. Anyway, um, uh, I'm going to get to my thoughts on Gregory Peck in a second. I will sure. say. It's so interesting. Any other year, I think Peter O'Toole would win this because I I think this is his iconic performance. Um, Maybe not his best performance, but definitely his iconic performance. We are going to get to more, a lot more Peter O'Toole performances in the future. He was nominated eight times, I believe. Mm -hmm. Never won. Um, So we're going to try to figure out when Peter O'Toole should have won an Oscar. I mean, he certainly drank enough. To win one. I know. Oh, mean, don't worry. There's there's a year coming up relatively soon where we can give him an Oscar. We'll get to that later though. <laughs> well, I have a feeling I know which one you're talking about. His leading TV wins, wins correct? Correct. All right, awesome. Then I, <laughs> and she's nominated this year for a different movie. Yes, she uh, is. Uh, but um let me comment briefly on these other movies. Um I have not seen Birdman and Alcatraz, and I really want to um because i I understand it's wonderful, I mean obviously it's talking about Alcatraz as in the prison alcatraz um Bert lancaster uh who makes so many appearances in the fifties and sixties uh so I'm putting that aside um I've actually seen a divorce italian style um and uh it's 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 very very good, I think the domination's the win here. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Marcello Mastroianni. Mastroianni? Mastroianni? There you go. That sounds right. Um, But I really briefly want to say, I'm going to talk about this in Best Actress as well. Mm -hmm. Jack Lemmon's performance in Days of Wine and Roses is fantastic. He is incredible. Mm -hmm. And again, any other year, I would give this to him. It just happens to be that Atticus Finch, one of perhaps the greatest film hero of all time, uh, happened to (laughs) come out in a movie this year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Accurate. And, And he is Gregory Peck. This feels like the role he was born to play. Oh, it does. I'll be very honest with you. When I first watched To Kill a Mockingbird, I remember this years ago when I was a kid, essentially. And I remember not, not being able to really differentiate between what an actor was and a character was yet. And I legitimately thought that To Kill a Mockingbird was real. And Gregory Peck was Atticus Finch, and he defended a black man. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, who's Gregory Peck? I don't know who that guy is. This is Atticus Finch. You know, he really is that person. And that's when I think of Gregory Peck, I think of To Kill a Mockingbird, as I think most people do. Um, I I would agree with you. I, I mean, personally, I think of the Omen first, but then I think of <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird. And, um, <laughs> that is fair. You know what? That's that is, I will take that. <laughs> I mean, Lee Remick is in that and she was also nominated this year, just pointing that out. Atlas. Um, but, uh, this movie, I mean, like he is actually the number one film hero of all time, according to the American Film Institute. Yeah. Um, yes. The movie is the number one courtroom drama of all yes, time, according yes. to American American Film Institute. They also named it the second greatest, most inspiring movie of all time. It's yes, on the yes. best scores list. It's on it's number twenty five on the best movies list. Mm-hmm. Um it weirdly, uh I I just noticed this. It it was nominated for the quote list when uh the, the great line, uh, Miss Jean Louise Stand Up, your father's passing. I used oh. to Back when I was a tour guide at, at universal, you've heard of the place. Um, mm, sure. Have. I, I'm familiar. I used to, um, list the movies that had shot in courthouse square. And I would end on to kill a mockingbird. And then I would just say, stand up scout, it, which is not the exact line. Your father's passing mm-hmm. just, and give that a moment for reverence. Sweet of you. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, It probably would be a Best Picture winner. We'll get to that if not for the fact that another great movie had also come out this year. But I think um, with the way things shake down, with all these competing stellar films, I think that the best possible win for it is the man who is the moral center for the film. And that's... It's the Oscar... It's the Oscar Gregory Peck deserved... Yes, absolutely. And like, finally, right? I mean, he's been getting nominated since the 40s. So I totally agree. Um, Yeah, this is a year of three strong performances. Uh, But I I agree. Because, you know, at this point, Jack Lemmon already has an Oscar. Mm -hmm. But But I do agree with you. I think it's very important to note that this is a fully dramatic Jack Lemmon performance. And that's important. Because, you know, up until now, he's kind of done sort of lightweight comedy, dramedy crossovers. But... This is harrowing, so I do think this is an important film and sort of step for Jack Lemon in his career. Yes. But again, this is Gregory Peck's win through and through. Shall we? Yeah. Shall we venture over to the ladies? Now I'm not saying that I prefer to talk about women, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but unless the men in discussion are are crushes of mine, I prefer to talk about women. And um, fair. I love both the supporting actress and actress category this year so much. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you. Um, First off, supporting actress. Um, We have two um, minors nominated for best supporting actress, which is, um, you know, never happens. Um, Mary Badham gets her nomination for playing Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, she didn't have a very long uh, acting career. Pretty much Scout is the highlight. Um, but of course she embodies Scout. She's a great little child actress in the film. Um, I I think it's funny, I the two young girls who were nominated in here are you could argue in both cases that they are the leads in the movie, or I would say Scout is basically the lead of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh she narrates the thing and and um uh, she's in most every scene. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So it's, this, uh, it's, it's technically category fraud, but they just didn't nominate young people in lead roles at that point in time. Right. And as we'll see, the best actress category is stacked. So, um, any uh, nominations, the win in this case. Do you agree? I do agree with that. Yes. Um, She's wonderful. For a child actor, she's about as good as it's going to get, <laughs> except for <laughs> the other we'll, youngin. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, we'll get there. <laughs> um, then we have um, Shirley Knight in Sweet Bird of Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, really got to see this movie. Um, yes. and she plays—oh, <laughs> man. And the character that she plays, who is Ed Begley's daughter, who Paul Newman essentially just leaves high and dry— it's super duper sad, so again, I can totally understand, like knowing the monologues that she has in this play in this uh in the screenplay, I totally get it, yes, but unfortunately, Miss Shirley Knight did not win, no for her, I mean, um, we also have uh the last nomination for Thelma Ritter. Uh, I know, wouldn't it just be great if she already had an Oscar at this point? I have a feeling that this is probably one of her better roles too. I got to see Birdman and Alcatraz, but just based, I know she plays the mom Mm. of Burt Lancaster in this movie. Um, And and just based on everything I've seen about this movie is it, it feels like something probably more akin to what her performance is, um, or at least in tonally film wise to uh, the misfits. Um, You know, um, and I love seeing Thelma Ritter dropped into something that's more modern. Right. Own, you know, because it really proves her versatility and it's just really upsetting that Thelma Ritter, who I think is, is the supporting actress of uh, the fifties and early sixties just never wins an Oscar. Cause she, she deserved one. Yes. A hundred percent. But unfortunately she's up against two performances that I think this category comes down to. I would agree. Uh, also, her last nomination, even though her career would span many, has spanned many decades since um, Angela Lansbury in *The Manchurian Candidate* as Mrs. Eislin. Mm. Um, this is one of my favorite performances of all time. <laughs> uh, thank God, thank God you say that. I I could not agree more. Yes, and. With all due respect to your patron saint, Meryl Streep, (laughs) the definitive version of this character is Angela Lansbury's. Oh, far and away. No, far and away. It's, yeah, there's no, there's no contest. (laughs) And she does. Angela Lansbury is so rotten, so evil. Nasty. Nasty. It's delicious to watch. Um, And also horrifying. And there is a moment that I think is one of the most disturbing moments in film history where you really question what her relationship or feelings toward her son are with something that goes on for a few seconds too long. Mm -hmm. It's a kiss. (laughs) Spoiler it's a kiss. It's so uncomfortable to watch. I'm just now realizing the Manchurian candidate isn't nominated in other categories and I'm very confused. Oh my gosh, no, listen, this is a problem that I have had for a very long time. Yeah, it it was just so overlooked. I also think the Manchurian candidate was just a little ahead of its time for nineteen sixty two. Good though. Do you know what I mean? I mean yeah. a huge crux of this and why I think Angela Lansbury is so nasty. As the mother in this movie is she is straight up manipulating her son to become a killer you know she just god she has she has no feeling in it she's a sociopath essentially she is playing a a sociopath with a lot of power and it's terrifying because it's angela lansbury like this is mrs potts and she looks sweet you know what i mean but what she does in this movie, you know, actions speak louder than words. And what she does in this movie, she is the worst mother. (laughs) One of the worst mothers on screen for sure. She's only, how old is she when she makes this movie? Um, she's only 37. Mm -hmm. When she makes (laughs) But she's playing a woman in her fifties or, or so 50 to 60. Um, The guy who plays her son is only three years younger than she is in the film. Um, And she is just... (laughs) I have problems putting words to how much I love her performance. But she's just absolutely incredible. The movie itself is also incredible. It is about um, indoctrination and um, uh, political um, uh, behind-the-scenes war games... Um, and brainwashing, um, and there's so many great little shots contained therein. It's it's John Frankenheimer who's a really dark, wonderful director, um, and you got Frank Sinatra in it. Our host, Frank Sinatra. You got um, Lawrence Harvey plays uh, her her son, um, and you got Janet Lee. Um, who just randomly pops up in great movies all the time. Um, and there's also like a whole, you know, there's a whole sub theory on the film where, where Janet Lee is just a, a figment of Frank Sinatra's imagination mm-hmm. because of the way that you don't see her interact with other people besides him. Right, which there's is a... such an interesting. That view. is so interesting. There's a lot of kind of lore, yeah, sort of around. Uh, the movie which yeah i agree i think it deserved a lot more love than the academy gave it and i also think it's since 1962 it's gone on to get you know a classic movie status and so much more respect nowadays um, but sadly sadly angela lansbury didn't win because they gave the oscar to patty duke in the miracle worker reprising her from broadway yes and this is I mean, patty duke's this is patty duke's breakout yeah, this is this is her part. She is Helen Keller. <laughs> she is she is Helen Keller, um, and Helen Keller is the co lead of this film. First of all, mm-hmm. um, alongside uh, Anne Bancroft, who we will definitely be getting to, um, and Patty Duke is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, she's great. It's really hard to argue her winning an Oscar for this. The only argument you can make is that calling it a supporting performance is a little bit of category fraud. But they aren't going to put both – she's younger, and they aren't going to put both actresses in Best Actress because they're not going to win if you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I get it. Um, It's really tough for me not to give this to Angela Lansbury in The Manchurian Candidate just because I love that performance so much. But it's also really hard to argue (laughs) – with somebody who is playing a um a child learning how to live with being deaf and dumb, not deaf and dumb, deaf and blind right um there we go um it, it's it's hard to not just sit there and marvel at the fact that this girl who was um how old like uh uh 15 yeah i think she was 15 or 16 when she wins 16 years old at the time um managed to inhabit this character like this is uh just incredible and it, it's interesting because patty duke has far more of a television career after this than she does a film career um the only really big movie that she makes after this is uh valley of the dolls right um uh, which is more of a notorious movie than it is a uh, it's a camp classic more right. than anything else um, but she does become a, a really prominent tele- television actress she makes a lot of tv movies <laughs> um and uh and so she does have uh, she does have a, a pretty good career after this and does win um a, she eventually wins an Emmy yeah mm-hmm. she eventually wins an Emmy interestingly she wins an Emmy for the Miracle Worker but it's a a limited version of it and she wins for playing Annie Sullivan isn't that crazy isn't that crazy <laughs> um, so yeah uh, and she has her own TV show where she plays identical cousins called the Patty Duke show <laughs> So she, she had quite the career after this. She really did. She does. She does. It just um, So she definitely has a career beyond being a child star. So that's that's great. Um, but, I mean, yeah. This is just – it's hard to argue. I don't know. Yeah. For me, not so hard to argue. I think this award should have gone to Angela Lansbury. There, I said it. Sorry. I think she should have gotten it. Boom. I'm not mad at it. I mean, like <laughs> – it's it's who historically speaking, I think Angela Lansbury deserves the Oscar. Also, Angela Lansbury loses so much at award ceremonies. I don't know if you knew this, but she's the all-time Emmy loser of <laughs> of all time. I'm not kidding. She um she was nominated for every season of Murder she wrote. Sure. Mm-hmm. She never won. Wow! 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 She's wow! She's also wow. been nominated. For let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six other Emmys. So that's um, eighteen total. She has never won. Crazy. Awful is that. But the Tony Awards is a different story. She has plenty of Tony Awards. So I think. (laughs) Well, but still, we (laughs) we could be in a situation where we have somebody who has a BAFTA. Uh, not a BAFTA, an EGOT. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> or she might have a BAFTA. She might. Who knows? Uh, she is British, but I think she's lived here for a long time. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh, no, she does have five Tonys. You are right. Yes. So I suppose that that does make up for it. She was nominated <laughs> for a Grammy. So she for Beauty of the Beast. She was nominated. Oh, sure. That makes sense. She's close. She definitely could be an EGOT winner. I think she's 95 now, so unless she has some big old tricks up her sleeve, I don't know if she's going to be working that hard. Maybe not. Um, Maybe not. I would love for her to at least get an Emmy, but she did get an honorary Oscar, so. True. That is, there is that. Okay, sorry. Okay, so that's our opinion on supporting actress. Let's get to the big category. By that, I mean best actress. (laughs) Leading... Actress. We've got we've got, of course, a couple of return nominees who I don't think really stood a chance. Katherine Hepburn is here for Long Day's Journey in tonight. A really great performance, but still a kind of a stagey one. Uh same with Geraldine Page, Sweet Bird of Youth. Again, we've talked about this. Um from Broadway. Again, they're sort of nominating a great actress, not necessarily a great movie though. And uh, then Lee Remick, I will say once again, I just want to tell everyone: watch Days and Wine and Ro- of Wine and Roses. It'll probably make you sober, because it is a harrowing mm-hmm. movie by Blake Edwards about alcoholism. Um, and, but Lee Rimmick is is a great actress, and this movie really proves why she's a great actress. But was not going to win. <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but I think you're right, though. In any other year. I I can see an argument for Katherine Hepburn winning. I can see an argument for Lee Remick winning. These are powerhouse performances. It just so happens that there are two others that I think it really comes down to. Between Betty Davis for Baby Jane and Anne Bancroft, the Miracle Worker. (laughs) Now, if any of you guys listening have seen or heard of Feud um, with Betty and Joan, I'm sure – Everyone knows the story behind whatever happened to Baby Jane, even if the facts are wrong or right, whatever you believe. Uh, there was undoubtedly a feud between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford when it came to Oscar night. Yes. Uh, yes, we can at least agree on that. Joan Crawford, obviously devastated. She did not receive an Academy Award nomination. Um, petitioned against Betty Davis to win, and made sure that she was there to present the best director Oscar and also to accept the best actress Oscar if Betty Davis did not win. Um, I love that kind of drama I think that's so fabulous and and it uh, worked. Joan Crawford walked away with way more press than anybody else that night and she, might I say to her credit, she looked fabulous fabulous like she has um like kind of gray streaks in her hair and she's wearing this shimmery silver dress um with this great necklace and uh she just looks probably the best she looked in the last decade or so of her um public life mm-hmm. uh she she looks incredible and uh it's hard not to enjoy the drama Of the moment of Anne Bancroft's name being called and Joan coming out to accept the Oscar. Apparently, as depicted in Feud, Betty Davis was um, backstage because she had just presented something. Yeah. And um, Joan had to walk past Betty to get onto the stage. We love that. We love that kind of drama. Um, and I think there is a bit of an argument here. You know, you're going to nominate Betty Davis for Baby Jane. Why not nominate Joan Crawford? The two really do kind of go hand in hand. Betty obviously has some more showy, uh, the showier performance. But it should be noted that Joan Crawford is just as good in Baby Jane. Um, she's just as effective, I think. I think that part of the issue is going back to the stacked category. Mm-hmm. Um I think because you have such heavy hitting performances, I mean, it's it, like what Joan Crawford does in Baby Jane is great, but then you look and you see the difficulty and physicality required of Lee Remick in Days of Wine and Roses, of Anne Bancroft in The Miracle Worker, um, of the sheer breadth of dialogue Catherine Hepburn has to get through in Long Days Journey in the Night. And it's very difficult to stack Joan Crawford in a list with these performances and what Betty Davis does in baby Jane, which I think is one of the reasons why it's such a great performance is I think that she really transcends the material. Mm. I think that baby Jane is a good movie, but I, it is pulpy. It is um, campy and it could very easily with the wrong performers just be, you know, schlock. Yeah. And the, the character of Jane in particular, um, on the page is, is very over the top, you know, and could just be this dastardly villain. But what Betty does, and it's just like, this is such an amazing achievement and a career that has so many achievements. And I'm so sorry, the last time, uh, we get to talk about a Betty Davis nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that this part in particular should have led to more than just horror movies for her, Um, is when uh, there's a scene where baby Jane is reciting one of her old bits downstairs with just one overhead light on in the living room and it's nighttime and she's ignoring Joan upstairs, or uh, Blanche is the name of the character, um, as she's trying to ring for her. And she's just performing her scene all in her own little world. And then she hits a certain point of the scene. She steps into that overhead, illuminates every line on her face, and makes her look so old and so weathered. And then she just kind of silently reacts to that for a second in this such a painful moment and then um just lets out this childish squeal I guess is the only way to put it and there's so many layers and so much humanity into this moment and nobody else could have pulled that off with this character in the way that she does and it's the fact that she makes this a multi-dimensional role, even the way at the end of the movie where they're on the beach and she says that line, you mean all this time we could have been friends. I think that one of the things you realize when watching Feud and seeing Susan Sarandon, who is also a good actress, um, handle some of the dialogue in the movie within the movie, you realize how good Betty Davis's performance is and how difficult that part is based on how much, you know, Susan and all of her acting talent can't pull it off in the same way, you know? True. Because uh, with, with her, and this, you know, is also just because of the tone of the series, it does come across more campy. But Betty Davis transcends camp in, in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane in a way that is, I, I don't know, I think it is one of the great performances. Yeah. Um, and I may be on my way to... Arguing that she should have won for this. I mean, think about it. She could have been the first to win three leading actress, Academy Awards. I like it, too. I like like thinking about her win. But I have to think that the reason she doesn't is because this is a more genre film. This is technically, I guess, a horror film, you know? And you think about what the Academy thinks of horror today. They're kind of just sort of coming around to... Yeah. accepting and acknowledging horror as a legitimate genre of film um, with prestige. I don't think the Academy was ready for that yet back in 1962. So they went with the more, I don't know, I guess, I don't, don't want to say difficult, but yeah, more straightforward performance from Anne Bancroft uh, doing The Miracle it, Worker. It's And this is, again, like the same issue that I'm given in Best Supporting Actress. It's like hard to argue with Anne Bancroft winning this because what I think it's looked over when people talk about 1962 and, um, be kind rewind did a great, um, uh, two part series on 1962. And one thing that she points out is that this is a great performance from Anne Bancroft and Anne Bancroft, you know, who had also played this on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's such a, the Miracle Worker is such a difficult acting assignment. Oh, my Not, gosh. I the, mean, the whole scene... acting yes. assignment. Yes, yes, a hugely physical acting assignment. The whole scene when they're at the dinner table and she's trying to get um, Helen Keller, Patty Duke, to eat properly. And it's just... Uh, it's, it's essentially assault just over and over again, putting her back on the chair, picking her up again, forcing her to use utensils, picking her up again. You know, she has these tantrums and um, Annie Sullivan and Bancroft has to... Just work through it and you, it just looks exhausting mm. and if you read interviews and articles about this movie, it was exhausting you know Anne Bancroft was about ready to drop after doing this movie take after take after take it's this is a very physically and emotionally demanding performance from Anne Bancroft so I agree with you it is hard to take this Oscar away from her because I do yeah. think Anne Bancroft is one of our great actresses and I do think she deserves an Academy Award. That said, the one thing I will argue for Betty Davis winning here is we do have several other opportunities to give Anne Bancroft an Oscar, including um, in a few years when she's nominated for um, uh, when Catherine Hepburn wins an Oscar that we may debate. Right. She um, is nominated for an iconic performance in in an iconic film. Oh, yes. Performance might be called supporting. I don't know. I was going to say yes. Um, We're talking about the graduate here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's that's she, also category fraud debatability. Yes, but I mean, her leg ends up being a supporting actress in the movie, all of its own. So I mean, there's a there are other opportunities to get Anne Bancroft an Oscar, and there are no other opportunities to get Betty Davis a third Oscar. I know, um, and. Just to wrap up my Betty Davis obsession into a neat little bow, Betty Davis probably shouldn't have won for dangerous, definitely should have won for Jezebel. Mm-hmm. she should have won for the little foxes mm-hmm. she should have won for all about Eve mm-hmm. and she should have won for baby Jane. That's my and then she could have had four and then, and she, then she could have had four, which would have matched. Miss Hepburn. Unless I, we take some more away from Miss Hepburn, but we'll see. We'll see what our tally comes to when we're done with this podcast. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I do love Katherine Hepburn, and I do think she's a great actress. I just want, I just want Betty Davis to have that record. Yeah, this is a very challenging year for Best Actress. I, I agree with you. I love Betty Davis here as well. I think, uh, you know what? I think if we're gonna do. I'm going to keep things the way they are for now. Maybe when we get to the graduate, I'll be able to be like, no, absolutely. You know what I mean? But as of right now, this still just kind of feels right to me. Okay. Well, you know, you do you. And we'll... <laughs> no shade. No shade. <laughs> we'll just move on to we'll just move on to director and picture, um, which are are fairly closely a lot... Well, no, there's there's they have three in common. Mm-hmm. Um, the mirror. Oh no! Goodness, there's so many differences here. Okay, so in picture, The Longest Day, The Music Man, and Mutiny on the Bounty are all nominated. In director, Frank Perry was nominated for David and Lisa. Pietro Germi was nominated mm-hmm. for Divorce Italian Style, and um, Art and mm-hmm. uh, Arthur Penn. Arthur Penn was nominated for uh, The Miracle Worker. Um, so there's three movies nominated in Best Director that are not nominated in Best Picture, which is very unusual. Yeah, that is quite a, a difference. Yeah. Um, I just based on what I have seen of these films, the only Best Picture nominee I haven't seen is the remake of Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that what's the Miracle Worker should probably be in Best Picture. Um I would also say the Manchurian Candidate not being in either category is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I have not seen David and Lisa and Divor- I have seen Divorce Italian Style and it's good. I don't think it's the best picture Um, So I would change I would change those things. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. John Frankenheimer has got to be here for best director. It's really, really ridiculous that he's not. I agree. Um, do you think, who do you think deserves best director more, Robert Mulligan for To Kill a Mockingbird or David Lean for Lawrence of Arabia? I have to go with Robert Mulligan for To Kill a Mockingbird. I, I like David Lean here. I don't think this is, obviously, this isn't a bad directorial effort. I just think that what David Lean accomplished with The Bridge on the River Kwai, though different subject matter, similar, scenes, uh, similar themes. And I think he's, uh, I, I think he's more effective in The Bridge on the River Kwai. I don't know. I think there are parts of Lawrence of Arabia that do start to meander a little bit. Um, and the Kill a just... Mockingbird is pretty tight. That's one of the yes. reasons. Yes. It's very tight. And I think it's one of the best book-to-film adaptations ever, ever, um, to adapt a book like that into you know, as tight a film as you just said as, as they did. It's very, very impressive. So I have to get this To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a draw for me, um, -hmm. because in one, you're, you're dealing with the the sheer technical brilliance, um, of pulling off so many of these shots and, and moments. And then on the other, you're, you're dealing with just a a really well told tight story, which I mean, is part of the job of the director. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, John Frankenheimer for the Manchurian Candidate. Honestly, so, yeah, anyway. I could, I would almost give him the Oscar if he were nominated <laughs> here. I would probably give it to him. To be honest with you, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> in picture, we have some some interesting choices here. Uh, the Longest Day is um, also one of the longest cast lists. Um, <laughs> uh, pretty much um, every guy and his and his dad is in this movie. Um, it is uh, it is about D Day. Um, and John Wayne's in it. Um, Henry Fonda's in it. Robert Mitchum, Robert Ryan, um, Mel Farrar, uh, uh, your favorite Richard Beamer from West Side Story. <laughs> great, great, great. <laughs> Sal Minio, Roddy McDowell, Robert Wagner. Um, it is just this stacked Don Adams, uh, stat cast with, um, so many people. oh those were just the Americans. Uh then there's Richard Burton, and Lord. Sean Lord. Connery, and <laughs> um literally, I mean, like the cast list is is huge. And um the cast list as I'm looking at it right now on Wikipedia is divided up on American, British, French, and German soldiers. Um, so they have the top actors um from uh every walk of um of the World War II D-Day life or who could play those parts uh represented here and it is um it is probably the best movie on D-Day. Am I going to give it best picture or no? But it is it is I think essential American history or uh world history viewing. Okay, fair. Um, uh, the next nominee we have here there's a film called The Music Man, and I think – I feel like I should talk about this movie. <laughs> let's, let's get into this. Go for it. Go for it. This movie is embarrassing, straight-up embarrassing. Now, I think I'm a little biased, though, because I grew up in Iowa where Music Man Square and The Music Man is, like, built into our curriculum from, like, four years of age. So this – this musical and this music is beaten over our heads every single year we are in school. I, I don't think there's a musical that I hate more than The Music Man. I think the songs are terrible. Every single one of them. Even the Miriam the Librarian song, which for some reason everyone seems to love. And I don't understand. Uh, the characters are terrible. The leading actor is Awful. The Even the cinematography is not great. This movie is just, from nuts to bolts, top to bottom, awful. Why is it nominated for Best Picture? Why? Is it just because it's, it was the biggest musical of the year and they felt like they had to give another musical a nomination since West Side took the Best Picture honors last year? I don't know. For whatever reason, it ended up here. And the Men's Shuren candidate did not. <laughs> Yeah, no, the fact that Manchurian Candidate isn't nominated for Best Picture is really what this comes down to. But um, uh, I I will say I don't hate The Music Man with the same fervor that you do. Um, Fervor, excuse me. Um, But uh, I did see it actually in a movie theater, um, oh, a year or so ago. Um, And I had a lot of fun. It was a free screening, so it being free probably had something to do with that. But... um, (laughs) Uh, I also haven't had it drilled into my head. And one thing I will say that just it surprises me is back when I was a tour guide at Warner Brothers, um, where they filmed The Music Man. Um, don't let Universal tell you differently, even though our guidebook at Universal said The Music Man used that square. That's very incorrect. It was Warner nice. Um And you can it just you can ma- like the set looks exactly the same. Um but uh people would get so excited about that and it was all ages i guess that this is something that has lived on because of its use in um as a as a musical for kids in school i guess mm-hmm. um and so uh i will say like for whatever reason this has really continued and there is a certain amount of epic joy to 76 trombones and i personally think that marion the librarian is a brilliant little piece um i don't really care that much about the rest of the movie it definitely is not a best picture nominee but i don't think and it's way too long and it needed to be cut by about 30 minutes going from stage to screen um all of those things said i i I also don't. I don't hate the best actor in the way you do. I thought, or uh, the leading actor. I. I. I don't mind Robert Preston. Um, oh lordy, I. Um, it's he's not a typical leading man, but he. I will say Robert Preston's later in a movie called Victor Victoria, mm-hmm. where he is very well cast, um, as the main supporting actor in that film, um, and I also like um. I like Shirley Jones in the movie as well. Um, And Ron Howard is in it as a little boy. Yes, he is. (laughs) So um, little Ronnie Howard um, plays Shirley Jones' little brother. Um, And, you know, Ron, as I have discussed, have I discussed this before? I think that Ron and I are intrinsically connected (laughs) um, because his dad's name was Rance um his brother's name is Clint which is my brother's name. Oh wow. Um yeah. So basically you're Ron Howard. <laughs> I'm <am laughs> Howard. Uh I consider myself an honorary Howard because of that. Um so it's tough for me to just disparage The Music Man because I I know um, also, one time when I was on the Warner Brothers lot giving a tour, I saw Ron Howard walking across the lot, and he was walking across and taking pictures of the plaques on the sides of the stages. Oh, and wow. I later, like, went back and was like, why was he at this one? Why was he at that one? And I realized, like, the Music Man was written on all the stages that he was taking photos of. So he was reminiscing from when he was a kid. Um. So I don't hate it. That's my big thing. But I completely agree with you. It should not be here. Um, Fair. As long as we can agree on that, <laughs> no, I I just don't hate it. That's that's my <laughs> stipulation here. Um, this leads us um
1: to the to, showdown
0: to the showdown between yeah. the two great movies. Um, I'm just going to give you my hot take. Please, I prefer to kill a mockingbird. I'm totally okay with Lawrence Arabia winning this picture. That is a hot take. That I also share. I am okay with Lawrence of Arabia winning as well. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm taking it back. I'm lying to you through my teeth. No, <laughs> it's, killing, it's to kill a mockingbird. To me, this is the best picture of 1962. But and I I, also, I get it. I just I'm just saying I get it. Oh, okay, so you're not saying you agree with it. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it like if you're gonna sit down on Saturday afternoon, are you gonna pop in Lawrence of Arabia or To Kill a Mockingbird? You're gonna pop in To Kill a Mockingbird. Because you'll still have some day left when it's over. True. Lawrence of Arabia is—is is it the longest Best Picture winner? Um. Um. It's it's up might there. Be uh, it might be, yeah. It's like three and a half hours. It's 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 in the same ballpark as Gone with the Wind and Ben Hur. Yes. Um. And but the th- the th- the thing that puts Lawrence of Arabia down for me is I feel like um, it's better than Ben-Hur by a, a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but I think Gone with the Wind is better when comparing it to long epics because I think the pacing is better and the length is more justified by the amount of plot yeah. and character development. I think Lawrence of Arabia... Um, is a great movie that could be trimmed down. Yeah, I agree with that. That yes. said, there's also like, there's that amazing cut when he blows out the, um when he blows out the match, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's all these interesting visual moments and editing moments in the film. It is an incredibly well-told story. Um, it has a great cast it i mean he is this is his definitive iconic role, I mean, like it is mm-hmm. I get it, it's a great movie, it's just not a movie I'm going to watch over and over again. I agree with you, and I think, yeah, I totally agree. do you think it's because it's very like testosterone like are there women in this movie are there I mean, really i I do <laughs> not gravitate towards testosterone movies. That is something I think we've both established about ourselves. Yes. And also, Um, again, we have Sir Alec Guinness being cast as an Arabian, which is offensive. We have that yet again. Yeah, that is the... (laughs) That is the... uh, I had forgotten about that until you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is the offensive moment. But there's also... More so than a lot of movies at that time, there are also some appropriate casting. Right. Choices. Yes. So you give a little, you take a little. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. This get is, it? And this is also, it should be noted, Lawrence of Arabia is director Steven Spielberg's favorite movie of all time. He calls it cinematic magic, and I think that's what you were getting into with the way you are talking about the editing and the cutting and the way things are staged in Lawrence of Arabia. David Lean really introduced a lot of filmmaking techniques and tricks and he really figured a lot of stuff out in this movie which made people think that it was magic what they were watching on the screen because they'd never seen these things before so it it is a very important movie stunning and i'll say occasionally they will play a 70 millimeter print here in la when things are normal um, and if you ever get a chance to see it in 70 millimeter, it, it's it's just gorgeous. It's a it's a beautiful movie. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with it. Um, I just think To Kill a Mockingbird is a tighter better movie and once again i'm going to say this if the manchurian candidate was in this category i would pick the manchurian candidate i was just going to say i think what we can actually agree on here is our best picture winner is the manchurian candidate (laughs) i think that's what we can actually agree on. (laughs) yeah no the manchurian candidate is one of my favorite movies of Mm -hmm. all time um and i think it's one of the best movies ever made and i think it's criminally underrated Mm -hmm. um Uh, Because, I mean, you never see The Manchurian Candidate. Um, It's not... It was in the 1998 uh, Greatest Movies list at number 67. It didn't make it into the 2007 edition, which is weird to me. Mm. Um, And it is one of the great movies. It's so... I mean, I... (sighs) It's just so singular to me. Like, there's no other film like it, you know? Yeah, no. There's no other film like it. And... And that's there's not another movie like Lawrence of Arabia. There isn't a movie, another movie like To Kill a Mockingbird. This is, these are unique films. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean it's a it's a really good year, and the epic winning makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just oh yeah, I, I totally agree. Agree. I I prefer To Kill a Mockingbird. That's just it's not it's not a an upset thing. I'm not Definitely. I'm not mad about it. Yep, I agree. I can see why. Lawrence of Arabia one Best Picture, and I'm not mad about it. You're right. We love that. All right, let's take a look at what we're going to get into next week. I believe we have a film that neither of us have seen, 1963's is, Tom Jones. This is exciting. This is, exciting. I, this is maybe the movie so far that I know the least about me too, actually it did get a buttload of acting nominations so i am really curious uh to watch this film very excited actually yeah no it has 3 nominations for best supporting actress which is just insane um mm-hmm. but i um i'm also super excited about this um this uh this movie is um i, b- I believe it's a it's a british film yes um And, um, it has, uh, it introduces us to an actor who we will see again, um, who made a lot of great movies up until his death just a couple of years ago, Albert Finney. This is going to be fun because this is like, this is the most, I mean, literally like even ones I hadn't seen like Marty and the greatest show on earth. Like I had some idea what those were about, but Tom Jones, I am just, it's a blank slate. Absolutely. We're going to be going in blind. So join us next week, everyone, as we break down Tom Jones.